I wake up in a basement after a night of who knows what I was doing. I mean, I honestly don't even remember. I know there was drinking. Can't remember if there was drugs involved or not that night. No idea. Woke up in a basement, and I just, it was unfinished basement. is in the basement of my friend. And I just remember um, laying there, and I could just hear, hear Jesus speaking to me like, this is not what I had planned for you. Welcome to the Our Father Stories podcast, where we share stories of ordinary people experiencing the kingdom of God in everyday life. I'm Nate Paragoy, one of your hosts, and this is a work of Our Father Lutheran Church in Centennial, Colorado, where our mission is helping ordinary people know and share extraordinary life in Christ. I'm joined on this episode, as always, by my good friend and my co-host, Pastor Micah Steiner. How are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm annoyed. You're annoyed? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm annoyed. I don't I would uh, love to know why. Well, as you're familiar with our insurance plan, we get incentives to have smart watches and actually the smart watch is paid for by our insurance if you work out enough. You're familiar? I'm familiar. Yeah. I haven't I haven't imbibed in this program. Okay. Uh, I didn't know you don't have one. Uh, it's a, I'm thinking about it. Okay. Well, uh, this might change your mind. I updated a new software to my so called smartwatch. Yeah. Now it is a smart Alec watch. Oh yeah, did, did you, like you? Did you think I was gonna say something else, Nate? I would never, I would never do anything, coof or whatever that word is that you don't. This is a professional podcast. It's a smart Alec watch, and here's why. Why? Now, when you go on a walk, for example, yeah, and you hit, I'm done with my walk. Very bright and loud, it says, "Are you sure?" As if to say, uh, "Buddy, you should probably go another couple miles." And I think that's rude. Like a little passive aggressive? Passive aggressive. Are you sure? Yeah. So I'm not going to say that. I'm not even going to give the, the credit to this brand of smartwatch that I'm wearing. Well. Because it's rude. I won't, I won't, I won't uh, name the brand of smartwatch you're wearing. But I will say the reason that I don't have a smartwatch is that the very watch I'm wearing at this moment yep. it was a gift to me from my wife Jackie on oh, our wedding day. Well, that's pretty special. Yeah, yeah you can't you can't let that go. It is a nice looking watch. That's... For sentimental reasons. Yeah, uh, I don't want to get a smartwatch. Uh, aside from the whole <sighs> connectivity thing. Well, apparently I need to walk more. Is, is what <laughs> that's I my takeaway. So, uh, well, we've got a very exciting podcast today. A very special guest. You know, typically we have had members of our congregation on the podcast because we want to help ordinary people know and share. Uh, today, though, we broke the mold. We have a staff member, our newest staff member, in fact, Kendall Wangert, who, if you're not familiar, is our contemporary worship leader. He's going to be sharing with us a little bit about his faith journey, which is very interesting, very cool how God used him, as well as what it's like to be a worship leader here at Our Father, and maybe some ways for us to worship, perhaps put ourselves in a better posture for worship. I'll say it that way. So check out Kendall James Wingert's story. Yeah. And uh, stick around to the end because we're going to share a couple of our key takeaways from our conversation. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. Uh, As you go for a walk, <laughs> listening to the podcast. Love it. My name is Kendall James Wingert. Grew up in Sioux City, Iowa. Now live here in Centennial. And I'm the worship leader at Our Father Lutheran Church, which you guys know. <laughs> uh, and you just became a... Another, or not another dad. Another dad. <laughs> we just became another dad. <laughs> Your family has just grown recently. Yeah, we just had a little girl. Her name's Jet. J-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. Uh, give it the fem feminine twist at the end there. Um, yeah, Jet Harlow, and she's our second. So she's two months now. We have a seven-year-old, um, and her name's Juniper. My wife's name is Elizabeth. And we don't see her because you're here and she works Sunday mornings too. Tell us what she does. Yeah, she works at uh, a church called Fresh Hope. It's a church plant over in Aurora uh, with a good friend of ours, uh, Pastor Brady over there. And uh, she's a worship leader as well. So we get to do a lot of worship together. All right, so we're talking, you've got a couple origin stories or what I'll call maybe rebirth stories. Mm -hmm. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, you grew up Lutheran, they weren't a Lutheran. And then became a Lutheran again. So what's what's going on with all that? Yeah, so I grew up in Sioux City in a little neighborhood called Leeds. Sioux City kind of grew into Leeds. It was its own town. It's still kind of its own town. Definitely its own feel in that part of the country. But um, I went to a church called Calvary Lutheran Church up there, LCMS Church. Um, my whole life, first 20 years of my life, 
even while getting into some trouble. I continued to go there. Even out of, out of high school, I continued to volunteer with youth. I probably shouldn't have been volunteering, <laughs> but it was a place that definitely kind of just kept my head above water. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually, so I, at, at one point, I must have been 18 or 19, I started exploring some other denominations, not because I wanted to be a part of another denomination. It was mostly because of the music. So I think I've told you guys before, when I went to the National Youth Gathering um, with my church as, you know, a, I don't know how, know how old I was, 16-year-old, um, I discovered worship music isn't always on the organ. Hmm. And that was a kind of a game changer for me as far as um, understanding that there's there's more to worship music than just what I had heard with, you know, worship hymns, which I'm not anti-hymn or anything. I don't dislike hymns, but I played music. I did a lot of music. and uh, Ironically, there are a few people who would still <laughs> disagree with you. I know, they're, I know, they're listening and wait, <laughs> worship can happen outside of the organ? Please explain yeah, yourself. Yeah, but it was the first place, you know, I, I, I rose my hands in worship, you know, or raised my hands. I don't know what's the right yeah, word there, but... Um, yeah, it was the first time I ever did that. I didn't know that was a thing, but I saw other people doing it. I was like, hey, I don't know why I did it, but it felt right in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably because I saw the, you know, the praise and worship infomercials. <laughs> now that's what I call worship or <laughs> something like that. We do. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But definitely opened my eyes to a whole new, whole new world of music. So you're 16, 17. Mm-hmm. You have a transformational experience that you didn't quite realize at the time was transformational. A little bit, yeah. I mean... You know, fast forward, I graduated high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in a relationship with a girl and broke it off because I was going to move to Cali to become a famous musician. <laughs> anyway, it was very emo days, if you know, if you know that emo life. Um, but yeah, that, that breakup led me into doing, I just got into some nasty stuff out of high school, a lot of drinking and drugs and all kinds of, all kinds of things. And uh, at the same time, I'm still volunteering at my church and and uh i mean i went i was a volunteer at the new on the new orleans trip for the national youth gathering i think that must have been 2010 maybe mm-hmm. it's like okay. the year after i graduated so yeah. um and i remember on that trip um we, we went down to uh, bourbon bourbon street bourbon street and i bought a bong <laughs> and i hid it in my backpack <laughs> yeah so that's where i was at that time just it's huh. just a nasty nasty place and to be clear i'm I'm laughing because uh, we have these conversations i used to help with gathering planning and and was Mm -hmm. doing little things with the bible study groups and we always had these conversations about the adult leaders who really wanted to be there versus the adult leaders who came from small some small church in iowa and the pastor's like well you're close to 20 you take the kids (laughs) and there's no discernment there's zero that was kendall i mean i did i did i mean the thing, the thing about me was I, I was doing bad things at the same time wanting to not be doing them. You know, yeah. I like, I, hmm. I think with, I truly loved volunteering and, and, and being there with the kids and, and being a part of that. And in fact, I remember the trip even being really good spiritually in a lot of ways, but I was still just not totally sold out. You know, I was, I don't know. I don't know where I was. It's like, it's like anything I did, I always, when I look back now, it's almost like I see Jesus just standing in the corner of a room, just watching me do what I'm doing. And like he was always there. I felt like he always kept me just out of trouble. On top of that, yeah. our youth, our DCE, um, right, DCE? Yeah. I got yeah. that right. Yeah. Nailed it, yeah. Um, Cindy Storm was her name. Uh, she was a big part of keeping my head above water, too. Like anytime I was just having a hard time, I'd go around the church and, and, you know, knock on the door and get in there and just, chat with her so um but that's see this is cool sorry to interrupt you but that is that is exactly how the holy spirit works and so if i was if i was cindy if i knew what your behavior was you'd never be a youth volunteer correct i would never let you do that at the same time god allows for it in his in his crazy complex omniscient way yeah so that you can she didn't she definitely didn't know what i was doing that's for sure that's for sure so and had you not gone on the trip, who knows though? Who knows if we'd be even having this conversation? So yeah. this is the powerful, mighty work of God. Mm-hmm. Use us even in our sinful state. Yeah. Jesus is like, look, I t- 
hold my beer. I had, I had Paul, you know, I couldn't <laughs> hear like, candles like small potatoes. That's because, true, yeah. that's true. But yeah, so when I, I the, the next thing that kind of happened, you know, I was kind of attending, to, I was attending an AG church, kind of their youth group, mostly because there were cute girls there and fun music. That was like the reason mm-hmm. I went pretty much. AG, um, Assembly of God. Assembly right? of God, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, went through, through, through a breakup and all kinds of stuff, doing, doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. And then one day, this would have been, this would have been in like September of 2010, you know, just a, you know, months after the National Youth Gathering. During college? The, well, kind of. Okay. I yeah. was, a, I attended like a few weeks and then just stopped showing up. So I wasted a lot of money. I mean, that's where I was. I was just, just not all there. But, uh, you know, a few months later, I, I, I wake up in a basement after a night of who knows what I was doing. I mean, I honestly don't even remember. I know there was drinking. Can't remember if there was drugs involved or not that night. No idea. Woke up in a basement, and I just, it was unfinished basement. It was in the basement of my friend. And I just remember um, laying there, and I could just hear, hear Jesus speaking to me like, this is not what I had planned for you. Hmm. And at that time, my dad had moved down to Joplin, Missouri, um, for a job, and I just felt him saying, "You need to leave. You need to leave this place." And I said, "Well, the only place I can go is Joplin," so I moved to Joplin. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. What was your experience of the voice and the tone of hearing Jesus encouraging, was, talking down to you? Like how? Not at all. It was just like he just said, "I I had greater plans for you." That's what I. That's what I heard, and it wasn't audible. It wasn't. It was just this like overwhelming presence. I mean, I just woke up from an awful night. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, the next day. You know, half the day was already gone. And I just remember laying there staring at this blank brick wall, hmm. and that's all I was hearing. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, it was very short after that. I told my mom, I called my dad, I said, hey, I think I want to get out of here. Um, but anyway, I moved down to Joplin. Um, decided I wanted to get in shape again. At that time, I was like 225 pounds, just very, uh, I mean, just, just not, I mean, I was a basketball player in high school. Like I, you know, I was always a healthy, healthy guy, ran a lot and worked out a lot. Um, but I said, I want to go back and play basketball. I want to go play college ball because that was my original plan was to play college basketball at a high school and, uh, had some tryouts at different places. And then I had a a friend I happened to meet down there in Joplin that said, hey, you should check out this place called Ozark Christian College. And something about it just made me really excited not to play basketball, but I was like, I'm actually really excited to learn to like intentionally and want to read the Bible and learn scripture and like study, like actually study. I you know, I still didn't get great grades. I mean, basketball was still, still my life. I mean, I can't say I did great in college, but it was like just enough there to move my faith down the, down the field, yeah. you know, and overall, I, I thought it was worth you? it. At that time, I would have been, well, let's see, 20 was when I moved down there, when I was 20. Okay. And this so, is pre-Elizabeth? It's pre-Elizabeth. I met her, my, what would have been my, I want to say my sophomore year, been my sophomore year of college. Um, yeah, she came to a birthday party with another guy, another friend of mine, and kind of caught eyes, and I blew out my birthday candles and made a wish. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, that was my sophomore year. But what was great about that was, um, like, after that, it was like a few days later, we had a game against our rivals, Manhattan Christian College, and um, I hit a three-pointer at the buzzer for halftime, and I turned and winked at her in the stands. It was like a very high school musical <laughs> moment. It was great. Kendall so, and Zach Efron. Pretty, that, well, he, that's funny, because I DJed at a high school, too, for a little while, and I was DJ Efron. So it all worked. It just all this kind of fit together. amazing. So, there's so much I can't get into. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some secrets are just best left un- uncovered. Yeah. Uh, buried. Yeah. Okay, so... College, having a spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, at what point do you go, hey, I think God's calling me into 
church work into into ministry? Well, they required you from a freshman freshman into sophomore year, basically, kind of that transition. You know, it, they required you to work at a church for hours um, for school. And so I was like, well, I play music, so I'll just find a church that needs a worship leader, even though I knew nothing. I knew no worship songs, really. I mean, I didn't play worship music. And, I mean, they probably shouldn't have hired me. I think they hired me based on my gifting, my talent more than my leadership. That's for, well, that's for darn sure. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, and they were an hour away from Joplin. That was in Springfield. So we'd drive an hour every weekend to go oh, wow. lead worship um, at a church. And eventually Elizabeth joined because we started dating. And so, um, yeah, we worked in worship together for a long time. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Yeah. A power power couple. Yep. That we were. <laughs> okay, so then I forget. I know we've talked about this before, but I don't remember. How did you guys end up in Colorado? She's from Longmont. She had family that was really sick. And so we ended up moving out here. To help them out, basically, okay. mm-hmm. and they had some government m- money for their disabilities, the family's disabilities, to pay someone to take care of them. So they hired Elizabeth to do that. Oh, okay. So it was cool. Um, so we decided to stay. Yeah, but that, were you working at a church like right away? No, actually, I was kind of at that point. I was that was my the first time I had a little bit of burnout. I was just kind of done with leading. I wanted to. You know, I wanted to still, I, we still went to church. It wasn't burnout from church. I just didn't want to work anymore at that time. We were actually, when we first moved to Colorado, we were living with some friends because we couldn't afford, you know, couldn't afford to, to live there on our own in an apartment or anything. I mean, we were making all together, I mean, maybe 40, maybe, maybe 30, 40 when we first moved out there. It just was not anything. And that was me working at a coffee shop, her working for her family. Hmm. Um, so we stayed in the master bedroom um, of a really good friend who just kind of gave sacrificially for us. We paid rent. It wasn't a ton, but I think it helped him out enough. And yeah, he definitely saved us there for a while. Hmm. Um, but eventually I decided that I wanted to do worship again. So we kind of started looking around at different places and we found a place uh, down here in Centennial. We were living up in Firestone, Longmont Firestone. And we started visiting, just checking it out. We really enjoyed it. And uh, just started attending. We drive, you know, it's about an hour on Sunday morning. We drove just to attend for a while. Hmm. Um, I did turn in a resume, never heard anything for a while. I said, you know what, I don't care. I really enjoy this place. I feel like, you know, and it was mostly because the, the interim worship leaders that were there, they were just really awesome people. Um, Kyle and Alex were their names. They were, you know, they were very intentional after the service and came up and said hi. And at that time in my life, I didn't have a lot of great experiences with worship leaders. Hmm. Most of the worship leaders I had known when I lived in Joplin were very smug and very full of themselves. And so that was nice. And so I was like, you know what? This is where I want to, where we should be right now. Elizabeth felt the same way. And so we attended there for a while. And eventually, um, the pastor that was there ran into us and said, hey, I think I recognize you. Did you turn a resume? I said, I said, yeah, but it's no big deal. It's all good. Like, we enjoy it. We enjoy it here. You know, we're taking our time to see what God wants us to do. And, uh, and he goes, no, I, I lost a resume. You guys were the only ones. I li- you were the only one I liked, <laughs> and I lost it. I see. He said, I lost your information, everything. Huh. And I said, oh well, yeah, well, here I am. <laughs> so, eventually, it was a part-time job, turned into a full-time job eventually. But I was working at Starbucks. I was driving, and we had had Juniper, at, you know, while we were living at our friend's house. Um, I would drive down to work at Starbucks full-time in Highlands Ranch from Firestone because we intended to move down here for the church. And huh. So anyway, with all that happened, it turned into a full-time job eventually, and I was there for about six years. Okay, so, so time out. We got to do like an inter... This is going to be like a Quentin Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so fast forward uh, seven years. Mm-hmm. We are going through an interim process ourselves of looking for a full-time uh, contemporary worship leader. We had had some guest musicians come out from a ministry that... Uh, Emily had found that placed churches that needed subs. Mm-hmm. We had like an opening for one or two weeks in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Nate and I are leading worship. Nate's preaching. I'm doing liturgy. And the first guys that came were good, you know, but they weren't like the best you've ever heard. And so we're thinking like Kendall shows up and I'm looking at him. I'm going, okay, here's another guy who's just, you know, going to be average. And the first song comes on and like blows my socks off. Mm-hmm. It was just him with his guitar. Just him. 
Like no, no supporting band. And you remember what I said? We didn't to you? have a band that time. No, no. it's just you. Was it was it just, just you. Me? Yeah. I Are turned you sure? to Nate and I said, "The first time it? I swear we had a band." I no, no, it was just you. Yeah. I turned to Nate and I go, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> I was like, "Who the? Who is this? This voice? Like, who is this?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Something's wrong." I'm like, this guy is probably on work release, and you know, he. Yeah. To be fair, I. Question your judgment in matters like this on a regular basis because about every person we've inter- interviewed for yeah, opening like, here, hire them. you hired them <laughs> before the interview was over. <laughs> right. And, and by the way, I'm two for three. Uh, and yeah, I, well, I yeah. have that with Emily Kendall mm-hmm. had that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were looking at each other and I'm like, how does this person not have a gig? Like, how are they not serving in a church right now? And of course then, well, I'll let Kendall tell the story uh, or maybe you guys tell the story because I had to go greet people afterwards and I remember at one point looking over after service, Nate and Kendall talking, Kendall's got tears in his eyes, and maybe share about what, what that conversation was. What were you guys talking about? Well, as I remember, you were saying, hey, I've got this kind of hard moment right now. I'm kind of at an impasse because I'm not sure if I want to work in a church again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it sounded like you'd just been through some hard times in a church that you were leaving. And so I was thinking, oh, well, shoot, there goes that chance. <laughs> it's, it's over. <laughs> I think it was also really emotional because I hadn't, I hadn't been to an LCMS service, you know, or any Lutheran service for, you know, at that point, you know, eight years probably. And um, when I used to go every week, I mean, we went every week faithfully. My mom either made us go, but I also really enjoyed going even as a kid. So it never was really hard for her to force us to go or force me to go. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a very, uh, it was very impactful for me, the service, you know, to experience that again. And so a lot of tears were coming from that. I do remember, and I swear there was a band. I know, I know there was a band because I remember walking in, that was a big part of what drew me. Maybe I did a song on acoustic. Maybe oh, maybe, maybe so. I did play acoustic that, I remember that, that day. Yeah. I didn't play keys. Huh, okay. But I, I remember being like, when I, walk, when I was walking in, all that was going through my head was, uh, LCMS Church, you know, I know how this is going to go. I'm going to be looked down on because I, because, you know, maybe my earrings or my nose ring or the way I'm dressing or whatever. You know, like, I yeah. I just, but I still, I, you know, I still, like, I'm going to be myself. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to respect people. I'm going to love people no matter what. And all I felt when I walked in was love and honor and respect. I mean, the way... The team, most of the team is older than me. The way they've shown respect and they've honored me um, from day one, from the day I walked in, I was just like, this place is incredible. Like I, and then the service, and I just felt, you know, and then you guys and, and, and Pastor Scott, like it was just, I was like, this is just too good to be true. So that everything was very emotional because I hadn't experienced that kind of love in a church in a long mm. time, especially being where I was. So, but then I remember. I mean, like recently, well, not not too long after that. I remember we you got hired. It's like a year ago from right now. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. Beginning yeah, December, just over a year, year ago, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember months. talking to Kendall, and he's like, "Oh, I love the Lord's Prayer, and I love the the Apostles' Creed, and <laughs> and like all these parts of the service that many Lutherans kind of get bored with, yeah. or they talk about repetition being being repetitious." And Kendall's like, "Man, I'd miss that. Like your experience in the evangelical world, where none of that happens, no confession, Mm-mm. absolution." And you're sitting here going, no, this is the best part of our service. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like so unexpected for us, I think, as we think about contemporary worship. Mm-hmm. And... Well, there's just a depth to it, and it's so solid word-wise. There's no... I like that there's no opinions with when it oh, comes to services. I know, there's a, I know there's opinions, but like we do our best to present everything we do with the truth of God's Word, everything. You know, and that I, I appreciate so much because the previous place I was at, unfortunately, didn't have that. So um, I uh, and to, to set that up, I mean, we had, I didn't want to work in a church again because the previous church, um, who I will not name, but um, great people there, like community wise, church wise, amazing people, love them. I still am there. I feel like once every other week, I feel like I still very involved with a lot of people there. Um, and the staff now, but unfortunately, the leaders at the top, um, pastor and his wife, were you know, what we found out were not who they claimed to be, oh. and so some some really really ugly things happened, and um, and it really hurt Elizabeth and I, and 
I was pretty sold on not working at the church again. And that's, I think, why it was so emotional, too, is like, I just did not expect this. I walked in those doors that day at Our Father and with, with a thought in my head of how it was going to go based on my previous experience, mm-hmm. both at the church I was at and, and growing up LCMS in the way, you know, I still, I mean, Calvary, I owe a lot to, you know, mm-hmm. back in Sioux City, but it was very, I don't know if staunch is the right word, but, you know, no running, um, no emotion. <laughs> Granted, I was younger and maybe at a different place in my life and maybe looked at things differently. So I, I give them the benefit of the doubt now. You, you have to, your, your younger perspective is so different. So you've been in places that aren't Lutheran churches. Mm-hmm. How would you compare your experience in those places compared to places like this and what you found different? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big kingdom guy. I love the church, the Big C Church. I love, I love the many ways it's represented, you know, the diversity of the church. Um, I've been in churches, you know, Assembly of God. I've been in Pentecostal um, situations in churches, uh, you know, worship nights and... Um, uh, Baptists. I've led in Baptist churches. I, I think I've led in just about uh, Presbyterian. I think just about all of them. Maybe not Methodist. That'd be one of them. I don't think I've I've been to. But um, I think uh, just the overall expression is just so important. But the big difference is, um, and the, one of the big reasons why I found so much value here um, from where I was. I mean, I was mostly in the evangelical. You know sometimes leaning Pentecostal world, and everything kind of um, rose and fell on charisma from a lead pastor, how good your worship songs were and how emotional you got. Hmm. Um, instead of being led by the Word of God, we'd, we'd be led by our feelings and try and get the Word of God to fit. Hmm. And I think that's very prevalent in that part of church these days. And not all of them. I'm not, I'm not going to throw them all under the bus. And I'm not even going to question intentions. I don't think it's an intentional thing. I think a lot of it is just kind of the way the American church has has grown and developed over the years and what it's kind of become. Um, I think in that world, too, influence is king, like per, your own personal influence over um, people and leadership is elevated you know, beyond laymanship. And that's another thing I love about the Lutheran Church is, um, and in fact, I was just listening today from one of Scott's classes. Um, he talked about how important both are, leadership. Like there's no, not, not one is above the other. It's so important in our church that everyone is involved and has a say. I think, and it was coming from um, a point where he was talking about something he misspoke in a sermon or something, and he was... Um, basically fixing it, what he said. He's trying to, you know, just saying, hey, someone came up and told me this, and they're absolutely right. I, I don't think I said that right. And so it's very open and honest because we're so, you know, we value the word, but uh, quote-unquote lay, layman, you know, um, mm-hmm. came up and told him that, and he valued that. In the evangelical world, that is like, no, you don't, like, you have no say mm-hmm. in this. The pastor knows all. You follow him no matter what. You never question him because God put him there. And, you know, unfortunately with, with the pastor we were with, he was he was a true narcissist, is a true narcissist. That's right like, for abuse. Oh, just, just really bad. And so, you know, like a lot of that happens. It's it's just more prone to happen in those because they don't really have checks and balances. They're, they're all kind of in their own world um, doing their own thing. Well, really cool the emotional thing, side of it is shallow. If, if, exactly. If you're constantly having to be at a level that gets more and more emotional and, and better quality, you're eventually going to reach your capacity. Absolutely. And that, that happened to me. That happened. I mean, that a lot of people my age are kind of tired of that game. Yeah. You know, they're, um, they're wanting more depth. You know, when people are, people are leaving the evangelical church and, you know, I'm like, it's... You're just missing out on the true word of God. You're not really experiencing the true Jesus because you're experiencing these emotional highs. Because a lot of it's such emotional manipulation, you know. I remember our meetings would be like, you know, where can we place this song and how can we do it? We want to, really want to impact them to get them to raise their hand and become a Christian so we can get our, you know, 
con- uh, conversion numbers up. Like it was very, mm-hmm. huh. you know, and at the early on, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yes, absolutely. As I, as things continued, I was like, this is every time it got more and more uncomfortable. I'm like, but is this the Holy Spirit working or is this us kind of putting, hmm. poking them and trying to get them to do something that we want them to do? And so, yeah. I, it, so it's just crazy. And but. if you read detransition stories or watch them on uh, deconversion, sorry, mm-hmm. wrong D, deconversion stories yeah. online, almost every single person has a moment like that where they experience some sort of manipulation from from a church leader mm-hmm. or a church in itself and they say well this must all just be manipulated or fake or and what i see as cool is many people who grew, left the lutheran church such as yourself for whatever reason go to that world it's interesting to see many people come back appreciating the heritage the theology the integrity and i don't want to talk bad about evangelical churches because mm-hmm. many of them are great and are holy yeah, spirit yeah there's some led, amazing mm-hmm. amazing churches yeah. and are not doing what we're describing mm-hmm. but unfortunately many are yep. you introduced me to a term I hadn't heard before ex-evangelical oh yeah tell us about that yeah. um, it's just somebody who it leaves the evangelical church they you know they what do they call it uh, de- deconstructing their faith and unfortunately a lot of you know I'm not anti-deconstruct and reconstruct, but if you reconstruct on the Word of God, like that's, yeah. I think these, a lot of people who deconstruct, they, they kind of turn to the world's idea of what the Bible is. And I'm just like, nah, you're, it's unfortunate, it's sad because they've been manipulated by the Word of God from other people. Like people are using the Word of God to manipulate them. That happens all the time in the evangelical church, not just evangelical, it, it could happen in the Lutheran church, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. It's just an, it's an ugly thing to happen. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the, a lot of them will just leave the church in general. You know, yeah. I like to call myself the uh, the Lutheran evangelist. <laughs> what did I what did say? Exvangelical. There we go. Lutheran evangelical. Yeah. But I've heard Scott say um, something like it's it's not a, similar to what you said in a parallel way. It's a, no problem with deconstructing what you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should also deconstruct what your doubts are too that cause you to get. Yeah. yeah. Am I saying yeah, it the yeah, way that he yeah. says it? Like, mm-hmm. if I you're going to question fairness. what you believe, also question, be willing to question Absolutely. your own doubts. Mm-hmm. He stole that from Keller, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give him credit we'll for that. We all steal everything yeah. anyway. So. I, I really appreciate how here we've articulated in our values uh, as pairs of statements mm-hmm. that are seemingly contradictory but exist in a tension or a paradox together. So, um, uh, head and heart mm-hmm. are a couple of our values, that it's not just heart and feelings, it's also head and what you know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, institution, the institution of the church, which sometimes is all the, fo- the only focus in a Lutheran church, and movement, institution yeah. and movement is another set of uh, values for us. Organized, organic. And the institution exists for the sake of the movement. And yeah. we are organized, but we're also an organic yeah. um, you know, living body. Yeah, I think if that's we're on something, one of the spectrum, we're out of we're out of whack. Yeah, I think that's something you know to, to also be fair to our evangelical friends. Like that's something that the Lutheran Church sometimes has a hard time figuring out, and, and that's okay. You know, we're 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 working on it. You know, mm-hmm. I think our father's in a good tension right now with a lot of that. Um, a healthy yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I remember you saying, um, thinking about experiences of Lutheran Church. You came here. You started working here. You even invited the guys in your band yeah. to lead worship. Mm-hmm. I want to get to that in a minute. And you said, I wish friends of mine in my circle knew this about our father because they would typically hear our father Lutheran and think A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really appreciate, Kendall, is that you bring an outsider lens to our staff, You know, work together in the systems that we're uh, always rebuilding. Um, so you've been a healthy voice in that conversation for us. Um, but what would you say, like, I wish my friends knew this about our Father Lutheran Church that they might not normally think? For me, and this is a word that's thrown around in the church a lot, it's like, it really is authenticity. Um, us G- German Lutherans tend to just be who we are, <laughs> you know? Uh, um, but, you know, one of the first things I remember telling, telling Elizabeth and telling my bandmates was like, 
the pastors here I feel like I could hang out with and it doesn't feel socially awkward, weird, overly, like, I love, I love the spiritual, but not a forced, like, everything's got to be this supernatural moment, if that makes sense. You know, this mountaintop yeah. experience, you know. Um, it just felt real, you know. Mm. It felt, you guys felt like some people that I could relate to, I could be myself with. You know, I could be dumb because I'm often annoying and, and I try to be funny and I, you know, don't have a filter often. <laughs> so I just feel like I can really be myself, mm. not just with you guys, with people in the church in general. Um, so that was a big one, but also just the depth in, in the, with, with the word. I, everyone that I meet, all my friends say that's one thing they're missing. And I'm just like... Mm. Got, you got to get away from some of these places that are really more concerned with your experience at their church, like their your first impressions at a church and your shit like the show, you know. Because um, unfortunately, that's where a lot of them kind of go. That was our that was that was our negative at the church I was at. It was we were so concerned with first impressions. Once we got you. Well, then we never really talked to you again. It was like we got them in the door. They're part. They're a number now. We got them. Yeah. I mean, we would just chase it down, and then, then I'm like, "We're, what's next? Like, what? That's it?" Well, as I remember my first few weeks working here, I'm sitting in, in my cubicle working on, worship things. This was before I did video, um, and I'd hear, you know, you guys calling people and praying for them and and you've taken your time to talk with people that once again unfortunately in the evangelical world they, they put this gap between the pastor and the lay people mm. where it's the he's on a pedestal he doesn't deal with this down here no he he hires people to do that for him he's there to preach and kind of be a star not all of them do it intentionally but I will say that the majority treat it that way, whether on purpose or not. I would. I, that's one thing I would say that I think most really do that. And once again, I'm not going to say they do it on purpose. It's just the way that yeah. that organizationally has been set up in that mm-hmm. denomination, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, I've always been very impressed by your um, humility. Well, thank you. And uh, that was apparent from the moment you walked in and you said, wait, are those handbells over there? I used to, really, I used to, like, like grew up in a Lutheran church and mm-hmm. played in the handbell choir or something, mm-hmm. right? I think I remember that for your first Sunday. All the way to here we are a year and a half later from that first time you were here at the end of that summer and uh, your your humility and the way that God's given you gifts is just continues to be a blessing to me personally when I'm well, worshiping you. you're leading yeah. me. So Yeah. Yeah. You think about the you, you told the story of man, I wasn't qualified as a leader for that first church gig. Mm-hmm. You, you know, obviously God has grown you tremendously because I was I remember having the conversation about hiring. There was no doubt that the skill was there. You know, kind of like, mm-hmm. wow. But then the character was equally as, I mean, I, I would put those on the same pedestal, the the, the singing great, but character. Well, thank you. And that fits with our team. And not this is going to sound braggadocious, but we have a great team. We have an amazing team. Yeah. Of, of like-minded people where... I, there, there's, there's not a genu- ungenuine person on the team. So, Kendall, you, you're in charge of our contemporary service. Organize it, and lead, and you're raising up a band. Maybe give those who are listening here. What are some things that they can do to prepare themselves for worship, or what, what might be the right mindset? At least, if in your perfect world, if, yeah. if everybody was walking in with the same mindset of, of how are you mm-hmm. open for worship, and what does that look like for a person in the pews and I think the church in general I don't know where the Lutheran church is set on this but where I was I think we've we put a big emphasis on um, moves of God where we'll worship the gifts of the spirit we worship you know gold dust from the ceilings whether it's real or not I mean who I mean I don't know I don't I'm not going to go there but but we, we we look for things in a room we, you know, when we worship, we look up to the ceiling and we're looking for God in the room. You know, and even even Second uh, uh, Chronicles seven, the de- dedication of the temple, when fire falls on 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 the sacrifice and everyone bows down to worship, the presence of God is here. And then you fast forward, 
See, Jesus comes, he dies for us, he says he's going to send the gift of his Holy Spirit to live within us, and then Acts 2 happens, and what happens then? We have fire upon us. So when we worship, this is why congregational worship is so important, and worship community is so important. We shouldn't be looking to the, to the sky like God is living within us, the Holy Spirit is living within us. Like when we, we worship, it's serving each other. Another thing I love about this church is I feel like our servant and our generosity is so high here. I just think it's incredible. But where God was, you know, in the Holy of Holies, and you saw his presence only in these, these moments he would allow for it, now, instead of looking around the room, like we, we need to look at one another. We are the church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When I, when I lead worship, I look out and I see, I see God moving in people, not, not a room, but in people. Mm-hmm. So I think just coming with that expectation, mm-hmm. that it's, it's not about seeing God do a miracle. It's about having a relationship with God and with His church. You've, you, know. you know, I was reading uh, through Matthew right now in my own devotions, and Jesus quotes something in the Old Testament where He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like a critique of the you know, pharisaical system of worship and Old Testament laws and all that. And he says, no, let's set all that aside. It occurred to me as I was reading that, that it's not a, a dichotomy of either mercy or sacrifice, uh, that in order to, um, to show mercy, what it takes is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that they're really so mm-hmm. intertwined together. Yeah. That what do we see on the cross? We see the mercy of God. Well, what does it take for us to yeah. experience the mercy of God? It's the sacrifice of God mm-hmm. for us and for our sake. And what does it take for me to serve my neighbor? Well, it, it, to show mercy to them. It takes my time and it takes my energy and the things that I don't think I have time or want to do. That's how I show mercy, yeah. through my sacrifice. And it's the same thing as within worship, what yeah, I'm hearing you and say. And that's far greater worship. To serve one, one another is far greater worship than to sing a song. And you know, to sing a song or to... Or like a sermon. A sermon is not more important than serving, serving someone who needs help. It's just not. Sermons are important and obviously very, you know, they're they're great for edifying and for uh, teaching and lifting one another up. There's, it's it's very important, but it's it's still noise if you're not practicing what you're what you're teaching. If you're not. Yeah, well, theologically just, speaking, in the Lutheran Church, the the sacrament is the mo- is is the highlight of the service. Is, mm-hmm. is the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and everything is supposed to kind of point to that. We say mm-hmm. we're a Word and Sacrament denomination or, or, or church body, mm-hmm. and that's again God coming down and giving us His gifts. But yeah. guess what we're doing? We're doing it together. Yeah, and that's what was so hard about the pandemic years is. Not that, that lack of community. Yeah, you lost the relation, lost relational. Yeah. That's the way God comes down to serve us through yeah. those yes. means, through those yeah. physical means. Yeah. yeah, and I love I love that emphasis of presence when it comes to that. It's, yeah, you know, I just think it's it's amazing, and and a lot of um, the world I was in, communion was a private thing, and I just think that's completely opposite of what it was meant to be. It, this is between you and God. No, it's between, sure, yeah, me and God, but it's about us and God. It's yeah. it's his it's his bride, and optional. partaking in His presence. Like, <laughs> I went to a, a a church over sabbatical, and it was the first time I've been to a church where they were like, "Hey, we're gonna have some communion in the back. If you yeah. want to come yeah. have some, do that." And then some people would go, and then they would take some bread and wine, and then some people wouldn't. And mm-hmm. it was a strange. It wasn't a meal together. It exactly. Was, mm, that's like interesting. Yeah. Never even conceived. And of that's that. their theology too on it. It's very between you and God. It's a private yeah. moment. And I'm. And before I knew what I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. I was like, sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that even in the way that we practice it, it could lean that way in the sense that like, these are your five seconds up front True, when yeah. it's just you and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Without a, a rail to kneel at together, yeah, you know, we lose some of yeah. that in the way that we worship and what it communicates about yeah. what's important. So Maybe we could of a small easily church. be, you know, maybe rightly accused of doing a version of that accident. That is true. That is true. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I think now move along and now go back to your yeah. seat. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. 
of the old old churches. Was Cal was your church grown up small enough to have a, a communion rail? Oh yeah, we kneeled. Yeah. And yeah. We were I miss, I miss we were true Lutherans. So. Yeah, I'm I, <laughs> true, the true Lutherans. Yeah. Uh, Kendall, what's one more thing you'd want to say uh, before we wrap up to somebody who's like <laughs> been here for a long time, coming to contemporary worship or traditional worship mm-hmm. well, as a worship leader and as a worshiper yourself, as you said. How could you sum up what we've said over the last couple of minutes? I would say if you've been here for a long time, keep, I mean, keep coming and keep pressing in, keep serving, because a lot of places that I've been to outside of this don't have that loyalty to a place. I mean, thing called church hoppers, I'm sure they happen in the Lutheran church, but I, what I've found, most people I talk to, they've been here for a long time, and they don't plan on going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They don't love everything. I mean, I've heard opinions on certain things, but you know what? They still love this place because it's their family, yeah. and it's it's their spiritual family. It's their you know we're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not just going to up and leave because you know they changed the paid up front, and that happens far too often in a lot of churches. Didn't you say to us one time too? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. That like you're we're used to like people who had been in church for like five years was like a long time. That was a and long. You were yeah. blown away here. Yeah, I was like, blown what? away when I heard, you know, ten years, fifteen years, twenty five years. You know. I'm, I'm here and I'm like, this is incredible. This didn't, this did not happen at any church I was involved in, and I love that because even in their disagreements, even in some petty arguments people have, they they continue to give to their community. They continue to serve their community, even if it's begrudgingly. You know, they, <laughs> that, I think there's a lot to be said about that in today's culture, in today's church. Um, that's so important, mm-hmm. and that's a big reason why I love it here and I hope you know my wife and I get to be here for a long time thanks for coming and talking to us I'm glad to be your friend to be your teammate and to share this conversation with you yeah thanks for having me you know Micah I would say Kendall's not a bad guy for a chief man you know that's probably the nicest compliment you could give a Chiefs fan yeah. so congr- <laughs> congratulations Kendall let me ask you as a lifelong Marco fan yeah uh, you know, was it hard for you? Was it tough? How, how was it? Were you just kind of like... You know, I don't know if people... I guess we don't really show people the video very often, but I was wearing a Broncos jacket. And do you recall... Well, actually, this was your fault. You told me to I take it to off. I to take it off. But Kendall was very quick to say, yep, yep, it would mm-hmm. look better. I think that was really discrimination against the Broncos. To be so, fair, you were wearing a gray jacket, yeah. sitting in a gray chair yeah. in front of a gray wall. And I was like, eh, you know. If it wasn't for my pasty white face, I would have looked like a, a chair. <laughs> I really okay. just wanted you to blend in. I, I mean, not blend in. No, you know, being a Broncos fan, the Chiefs have never been a threat ever. You know, for I'm 44 years old. For basically my entire life, never been a threat. The last seven years, they've been a threat. It's starting to get annoying. Quick question. Did you just say you've been... 44 years old your entire life? I've been for, did I say that? <laughs> I don't, think you I don't know. know. Well, my watch my watch told me that I'm an idiot. So uh, <laughs> just now, breaking news. Uh, what were your takeaways? Where, were you, where do you think? All right, so uh, I want to talk about uh, the humility of our teammate. Uh, I think uh, you probably heard me say that a few moments ago during our conversation. Uh, has always impressed me from the moment we interviewed him. Right. Uh, Kendall has been our staff for a year and um, said to us, hey, I, I can do more than just lead worship here. You know, I, I've got a lot to offer. I want to invest my gifts and skills here because I want to be a part of your, uh, your team in a, in a deeper way if I can. And we said, oh, well, like what? And turns out he's got a, a video production company that we didn't know about yeah. when we interviewed him. And so uh, coincidentally, Kendall's... Uh, has edited the very episode that we're listening to right yeah. now. <laughs> Which is fun to talk about him as he's editing. Yeah. It's been good. He set, it up, he set up our studio a little bit different. He's changed the camera lenses. So the videos look better. They pop a little bit more. He's doing the editing. You used to do the editing of this podcast. It was like eight hours for you. Yeah. I don't know how much Kendall spends, but I bet he's doing it quicker and better. Yeah, right. So uh, it's been a huge blessing. Yeah, it's no longer like the two of us amateurs, like pointing <laughs> cameras at each other in the dark. Like our old, if you watch our old videos, they're just, production level is just it's so bad. amateur. It's bad. Yeah. So um, he makes us look and sound good. Yeah. No. Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, humility is wonderful. I heard him talking a lot about the posture of worship. One thing we want to highlight 
is that worship in the Lutheran sense is more about your emotions and feelings, and Kendall addressed that a little bit. In the Lutheran sense? In the Lutheran sense, sorry, uh, is, is more than your feelings. Yeah, more than. than and, and feelings are fine. I mean, we can have emotions when we worship. But the important thing is that we realize God comes down to us. It's Him giving us His presence in the Lord's Supper, His gift of grace, His Word speaking through the Word of God, through the pastor's preaching. And it, one thing that he mentioned that's really cool with that in mind was the fact that we come to worship, the Holy Spirit resides in us. We get that from 1 Corinthians. Paul talks about that. And as we are worshiping together as the body of Christ, it lends itself to the worship. Our presence lends itself to the worship. So as gently as I can say this, as, as pastorally as I can say this, if you haven't been in worship, if worship is not a regular thing for you in person, I want to invite you to come back because A, we miss you. The body of Christ missed you. But second of all, it's the best place for you to be in worship is together. Yeah. It's far more than just tuning into your favorite episode of your favorite show once a week on a Sunday morning watching the live stream from home. Yeah. Um, more than just pulling it, you know, pulling it up on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, check that box to embody that and experience that yeah. in a personal way. And I'll tell you this, we've had people email us recently, multiple people who have said, you know, it's been a while since I've been in worship. I finally came back and it was a wonderful experience. I can't believe it took me this long. So if that's you again, as, as pastorally careful as I can say this and as loving, please come back mm -hmm. because you're missed. Yeah, and chances are high that you're listening to this if you're a part of the Our, Our Father family. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would if you weren't. But if uh, you have a local church that's not here, we would encourage you to find that church and get plugged in there. Um, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Micah, so I'm hearing you say primary and secondary kind of emphasis in worship, God to us primary, our response to him second. And I'm hearing you echo what I heard Kendall say, that we get permission to respond uh, to what God does to us, that we bring our whole selves and our feelings, and you know that's more than just what we hear and know. It's what we how we respond in our song and in our worship too. Yeah, yeah. Our posture, you know, you you're coming almost. It's like I've heard it described. You're coming with your hands open, simply to receive, mm -hmm. and all the good things that God's going to give you, which is cool because we get something as we sing praises to Him, as we pray to Him, as we worship Him, as God deserves. He's the the holiest, most precious thing in the world we're coming there to pay honor to him and to, to glorify him as best we can. So uh, as we wrap up this episode, if there's anything that you can do, it's come to church. Be here. It's respond personally, maybe even emotionally with your hands, you know, in addition to your voice. And uh, also, if uh, you want to learn more about Neon the Bishop, uh, check them out. Uh, they just played a show this last Saturday. And... Uh, Support Kendall and his work. Yep. It's a great, great experience to go see Kendall in a different world. I'll just say this. The costume alone will win you over. All right. Well, with that said, for more episodes just like this one, go to ourfatherlutheran.net slash stories.